Newstalk's Executive Chair. Thanks to Skillnet Ireland, driving business success through innovative training and upskilling. And I'm delighted to welcome to the Executive Chair, uh, Miles O'Grady. He's the CEO of the Bank of Ireland. Miles, you're very welcome to the programme. Hi, Bobby. Thank you very much for having me. No, delighted to have you in and again. Um, along uh, circuitous route to the top, Miles, one might say, starting off in Booterstown uh, in the late 80s. Uh, you went to school in Marion College, I believe, where a maths teacher gave you some advice. That's right, yeah. So I went to school in Marion College, as you say, and um, uh, Brother Finton, if I can uh, call him out, uh, uh, talked about maths being a language. Right. And if you thought about it as a language, it would be much easier to uh, to understand. And that was that was certainly a kind of a, a, an important point for me. Were you good at maths? I'd say then I was average at maths and right. I got a little bit better then. And uh, and so I generally, in my leaving search, gravitated towards maths and accountancy and business studies. Okay. Pro- probably less good at, at other uh, <laughs> languages. That's all right. <laughs> so off to, to, on the traditional accountancy route, you studied accountancy. Your first job, I think, was in the financial control department at AIB. That would have been around 1990. That's right, yeah. My, yeah. Fir- my first role was, was, it, was with AIB and I spent uh, five years there where I, I, I guess I learned my, my trade as, as an accountant. I'd always wanted to, I had an ambition to qualify as an accountant and to work in banking um, and AIB was the first port of call and uh, yeah, as a, as a, as a financial well, accountant in Group Financial Control. Yeah. Were you in uh, Bank Centre? I was in Bank Centre, yeah. The best catering in Ireland, I worked there. Well, you know what ago. it was, because it was, it was part of the organisation. They were, they were the, the catering I was there in 1980 <laughs> and it was, it was to die for. I still remember it with fondness and you to know, this day. You know, if you, you had to call it a restaurant, yeah. it wasn't anything else other than that. It was yeah. very good food, yeah. Very important. <clears throat> now, um, again, I don't know a lot about uh, Dresner, Kleinwort, Benson, Global Equities Business, on to Citibank where you worked in the UK, is that right? Well, I worked at, so I, I had a desire to, uh, uh, as part of my uh, career in banking, I wanted to understand investment banking more. And I therefore also wanted to get out of Ireland for a while too in the mid 90s and went to London to work for Dresser Climate Benson and Global Equities. Right. And, um, and like a lot of Irish people, uh, I eventually wanted to come home. And I came back actually with Citibank. Um, they would have been <clears> setting <throat> up around that time here. Was, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So it was beginning to expand. From being a, a branch that had a long presence in, in Ireland, actually, to being this uh, global provider of Citibank services um, out of Northwall Key and the IFSC. So a lot of my job then was actually uh, almost kind of building the business and financial case for why other parts of Citibank should, should come to, to Ireland. Okay. Uh, I know you say you've left, you left banking twice, uh, once, maybe three times, board, of, yeah. board gas, D-Res and uh, Musgraves. Yeah, that be right? that's right. So and most, you were hooked back each time. So most, most, the vast majority of my career has been in banking or in financial service. And, and for some, for whatever reason, um, I've, I've been pulled back, back into it. But I did. So in the noughties, I did a little bit of, of, of independent consulting and that damaging work for, for board gosh. But I'd always kept my um, my connections with AIB from my first time working with them. And so I came back to AIB in 2006. Can I ask you this, Miles? Were you were you in banking in 2008 when things went very bad? I was, yeah. And where were you at that stage? So I was, at the time, I had just finished uh, um, for AIB a large transformation program, bringing all of their finance functions from 
separate locations under one umbrella. And actually, I was there when, when the difficulty began to emerge for, for AIB. How difficult was that for you at that stage of your career? So it was certainly a huge learning opportunity. And I would describe myself at that time as being kind of a young executive just beginning to kind of break through into some of the more senior roles. Um, so I learned an awful lot. I mean, I would say I spent 12 years overall with in my second tour with AIB. And I was there from what I would describe as possibly the lowest point when it had its difficulties. I was part of the team that worked on the restructuring of right. AIB. Um, and right through, um, as I stayed with AIB, to uh, bringing AIB back to the markets when we did an IP, when AIB did an IPO back in 2017. So you could say I saw it possibly at its at its low point, but also saw it doing well back in um, in recovering to an IPO. Okay, so that's a, an interesting, I suppose, high level whiz through your career. You've, as I say, it's been a, a circuitous route and an interesting route, and one where you garnered an awful lot of experience along the way to now being the CEO of Bank of Ireland. And if we talk about Bank of Ireland, Miles, celebrating 240 years in business, um, a lot to celebrate, a lot to look back on, a lot to reflect on, probably both good and bad. But you're here now and you're going to drive this business on. Yeah, so 240 years is, is I think, is an incredibly important milestone, not, not just about Bank of Ireland itself, but Bank of Ireland and its role in Ireland. And as, as Ireland developed as a country, um, Bank of Ireland did as well. And I think about, we had, back then, uh, there was 19 um, colleagues uh, started Bank of Ireland right through today where we have 10,000 colleagues, we have 4 million customers and indeed we have 80,000 shareholders. So I, that to me quite genuinely brings a strong sense of obligation about what we do at Bank of Ireland into the future and indeed what we do for our customers and colleagues and shareholders. Tell us about the College Green site and what's going to happen there. Yeah, it's very exciting. So, so College Green is is a historical site. For those who may not know, it was the original uh, uh, Houses of Parliament in, in Ireland before the Act of Union. Bank of Ireland acquired it very early in the 19th century. It's, it's an active branch. It has thousands of customers and colleagues coming through it um, every year. Uh, but we are now going to invest heavily. We're going to invest £36 million in College Green and make it essentially much more accessible, not just to bank customers and colleagues, but generally to the community as well. Okay. Um, Again, some interesting developments. Uh, The acquisition of Davy, again, it came out of the Bank of Ireland stable. Yes. Uh, They had their own difficulties. You've acquired it for 435-odd a million, whatever it was, but it's 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 now strategically an important part of the business going forward. Very much so. And when I when I talk about Davy, um, I, I always uh, reference that. First of all, there's just under a thousand colleagues in Davy who we have welcomed into Bank of Ireland. There's also fifty four thousand customers who we're very happy to to bring into the group as well. And indeed, there's twenty billion uh, of investment assets there as well. So it's a sizable business. Davy, uh, to my mind, is the leading provider of, of, of wealth in Ireland, particularly for high network customers. You may know, Bobby, we, we have our New Ireland business, which is a life protection business. Um, uh, that's a large part of our wealth offering. We also have a wealth offering within the Bank of Ireland brand as well. And when we add to that the Davy um, offering, it really means Bank of Ireland has the opportunity to be a number one wealth provider in Ireland. Okay. Um, what about, I saw at the AGM, 
uh, the question we've had a, an exceptional rise in interest rates I think you know not we haven't seen anything like it in in banking history um, there was some questions miles about uh, deposit rates yes. why one has to go outside of Ireland to get competitive de- deposit rates now and is the bank unfairly riding uh, the ECB margin. So I, I I don't believe so, but and let me give you some context to that. So first of all, I mean, I, uh, any any customer who has a deposit, it's it's entirely appropriate for that customer to want to earn a return and to and to be paid interest on it, and we have done that. But I'm very mi- mindful of um, if we just step back from it for a second. Why are ECB interest rates increasing? Is it, it is it is in response to inflation? Uh, highly accentuated inflation across the globe. And so when I look at our customers, and I have mortgage customers and we have deposit customers, our job is to get the balance right. A rising rate environment means two things. Customers with loans, like mortgage customers, they're going to pay more on their loans, and depositors will be rewarded more. It's, it's important that we get the balance right. And in particular, in an inflationary environment, we don't push mortgage customers into an affordability issue. And am I right in saying that that affordability, affordability issue with mortgage customers hasn't really been problematic in terms of so that the, the, the ECB margin is there and you're happy to get that, but you haven't seen any real you know, arrears the problem developing. No, the book is holding up very well and we're very pleased with that. So in the context of, of so for example, ECB rates have increased very sharply by 4%. We've passed on about 1.5% of that to our mortgage customers. And by the way, we've also generally increased our deposit rates by a similar amount as well. We launched a, a super saver product earning 1.55%. That's back to my point about getting the balance right and so far, we feel that's working well. Okay, okay. I've asked the question. You've given me the answer. Um, if we look at the future of banking, Miles, and again, you're at the top of an organisation now employing 10,000 people. You've set out your strategy. But if we look at the, the future of banking, I suppose retail banking in particular, you know, is there going to be 169 branches in 10 years' time? Where do Revolut, N26, all these competitors who are coming in to try and eat your lunch? So what does banking look like? Because for me, I'd say it's going to be a fairly changed space. Well, it's it's really interesting. I remember the the conversation almost 10 years ago where it was a question of, is it going to be branches or is it going to be all a digital offering? And of course, the reality is that it's going to be a combination of both. But is it? I I believe so. I I, I, I mean, I talked to... When I was in uh, Galway this week, uh, where I met customers and colleagues in our branches there, and I could see the level of activity that customers still want to come into branches. Sometimes it's to do the traditional banking, for example, when it's, it's a cash-based transaction, but also coming into the branch for advice as well. And that's across the full spectrum of customers. It's not even a thing about whether it's an older customer or a younger customer. Younger customers want advice as well. So there's no question that the digitalization of the banks is going to continue and we will continue to invest in that regard. But as we sit here today, branches are still important. Contact centres are important. The place for customers to go to remains important. Okay. Um, If we look at the measurement of return 
the return on tangible equity. Um, again, it's not a, a, a term I'm really, I, I presume it's similar to return on capital employed. It takes yes. the relevant capital. Um, you're, you're projecting 15%. Um, uh, tell me more about that. Yeah, so if I just maybe a step back and look, um, over the last number of years, generally banks across the Eurozone have been generating returns that have been lower than what I would call the, the cost of, of equity, what an investor expects. And that's been a consequence of there being subdued demand for credit across the Eurozone and also a low rate in environment. Um, uh, an investor expectation now is looking for a return on equity in excess of 12, 12%. And that's why 15% we believe is, is a sustainable return. It's a strong return that reflects our broad business profile, not just banking, but also our wealth insurance business as well. Okay. Uh, finally, Miles, we want to ask you a little bit further about yourself. You're married to Rupi. Uh, you have a son, Rian. Um, you speak a little Punjabi, is that correct? Hanji. Yeah, tell me more. <laughs> well, so my, my, my wife, who's English, but is, but is from, uh, um, uh, from the, her family are from the Punjab region, they moved to England back in the 50s, so uh, on many occasions we would have a few words of Punjabi. So when I say I'm hungry, pork ligia is a, is a, is a phrase that I use. <laughs> right. So I won't go too much far on my, on my, on my deep knowledge of, of, of Punjabi, but, but there's a little bit. Well, listen, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for uh, being so open with us and great to talk to you. All thank, right. Thank you very much, Bobby. News Talk's Executive Chair. Thanks to Skillnet Ireland. Driving business success through innovative training and upskilling.